Hey everyone, welcome to episode 128 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me as always, Collins Mullen. Hey Collins. What's up, Chris? And with us joining today, so as we dance on the grave of Mox Opal, <laughs> is Mox Opal aficionado, Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Thanks, Chris. That was a great introduction. Happy to be here. Love it. Love the circumstances. <laughs> yeah, F in the chat. <laughs> was the last time you didn't play Mox Opal in like a major modern tournament that one time that you played an artifact deck that didn't want Mox Opal in it? No, it was actually Hogak. Oh, okay. That's yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. I'm not, I'm not insane. Like I still played a broken deck. Yeah. Didn't wait. Didn't you play that in the Hogak format though? That artifact deck. Did you I play did, Hogak but after I also, that? I also played Hogak before that and after it. Uh, no, after it, like it got immediately banned after that tournament. Okay, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, I did play. I did have Mox up on my deck during Hogak because it was important to have a bridge. But. <laughs> I played Hogak, but I didn't have Mox Opal in it. Yeah, that's that's true. Though it probably could have been still one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can be down four cards. <laughs> yeah, we, we need a couple of bricks in here. So we just came off of SCG Knoxville, which was the modern format. Old modern, as we'll call it now, despite it being two days ago. Pretty good weekend. Um, we didn't put a ton of people into top eight, just Edgar. But I think everybody from Team Lotus Box... Plus friend CCR yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. cash the tournament or uh, Dylan top eighted the classic so pretty good weekend for for everybody around us the yeah the pioneer classic right yes mm-hmm. yeah it did feel like a solid weekend yeah yeah I was pretty happy with it I played the fun deck this time <laughs> and yeah just better experience throughout so it it looked like a lot of fun as you were kind of going off against me There's in round fifteen of the tournament not much feels better than really doing it with the runaway steamkin yeah. I'll say that much. I yeah. think when you had the Steamkin in play, and I had a Cryptic Command up, and had to counter your second to last card, which was Light Up the Stage, or yeah. else you just cast too many cards with Runaway Steamkin. Right, right. And then your last card was Bedlam Reveler. Oh yeah, we we got the nice bait with the uh, <laughs> with the Light of the Stage for the Bedlam Reveler. I, it was I great. think the Light of the Stage would have killed me anyways. Sure. So. Yeah. You had you had all those artifact or you had all those sacrifice lands, so you yeah. could mana up off of the red spells, and then of course, right. Yeah, I was in a good spot. Yeah. Did anyone else from Lotus Box play the Prowess deck? Yeah, so Evan also played the Prowess deck. Uh, Evan and I both top 16 defeating other Lotus Box and Friends members <laughs> in the last round. So I played against Chris in the last round. Evan played against Jeremy in the last round. And Evan and I both got our top 16 with a victory there. I also was forced to team kill Jeremy in this tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I, I played... Uh, Still Teamer Urza, mm-hmm. uh, no Experimental Frenzies in the sideboard, because I don't think that card is actually how you would... This is all irrelevant, but I don't <laughs> think that big, expensive, colored sorcery speed spells were the way to sure. approach the matchup. Yeah. So, and in fact, I played against Pete Ingram day one of the tournament and defeated him, showing with 100% certainty that my <laughs> philosophy it. about the build was correct. And that's a wrap because we can move on and no longer play these decks again. <laughs> Sadly, I did not beat Edgar in the tournament, uh, just yeah. to not move on for a second. Oh, um, sure. <laughs> but uh, had a pretty serious punt against Edgar round one of day two of the tournament. Just yeah, was yeah. like, was pretty cold and played played a turn super badly. In a yeah. game that I thought I played pretty well, but yeah. it wasn't wasn't meant to be. Edgar had a couple of us punt to him in this tournament because yeah. uh, Evan also had a bit of a 
brain blank against them. Right. Yeah, we both had just these big, like, brain-hand disconnect moments right. rather than, like, actual misplays. Just, yeah. like, did the wrong thing. I just took myself off of Metalcraft mm-hmm. momentarily for no reason whatsoever. And sure. couldn't kill his Oko with Galvanic Blast because of that. Evan just swung a creature into a freshly stolen, like, 7-8 Monastery <laughs> Swift Spear. Oof. That's nice. <laughs> so just weird, like misfires rather than actual like misplays and i think this just confirms that edgar is actually a jedi and mind controls people yeah honestly like Um, i nobody does that against me (laughs) yeah but yeah fun tournament pretty good weekend ate some nice food had a good time Mm -hmm. uh and we got oko banned so finally great success all around yeah and mox opal yay and mike doesn't fly this and mike shocker right what yeah so yeah. my my phone blows up at ten thirty because a bunch of cards got banned. Mm-hmm. But the first thing I see is Chris going like, "Oh wow, Lattice got banned!" And I'm like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> is that the only thing that got banned?" Oh, <laughs> wouldn't have that been just the epic, the most epic troll? Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. modern Microsynth Lattice and uh, yeah, um, Lattice is banned in modern for the sake of fun games. Yeah, Lee, I figured you didn't need a message from me saying, like, how do you feel about mods? What are you going to do, Lee? Just pile on, yeah. No, no, I figured it out. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think you needed much of that. But yeah, so I, we should talk about what is going to happen in Modern. And I guess we can talk a little bit in context of what has been going on in Modern, even in the presence of Oko really stifling the things you're allowed to do in this format. Um, And Mox Opal representing, like, the best way to get ahead on mana and move your game to the mid-game by, like, turn two or three. Even in the presence of those things, we have seen some powerful strategies rise up and be pretty good. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have to take into account that these strategies were playable because they had a game plan against Oko. Right. But, they, you know, they also had the raw power to compete with some really strong cards. Mm -hmm. And so... There's a big power vacuum left by these bands, and maybe some of the stuff that's been popping up lately is going to rise to fill it. Maybe some forgotten strategies. I don't know. What do we think? What are we excited about going forward from here? What what haven't we been able to do that we think we might be able to? Well, so I think that, first of all, a lot of like the uh, like outside of blue-green mid-range strategies are going to be able to come back in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Like, Jund could be a thing again. Or it's like something similar to that, where just like a, like a mid range strategy that was oppressed by one planeswalker that you know yeah. that defeated them on its own. But I th- I do think that a lot of the other popular decks were more due to the fact that the format was so warped, and not due to the fact that they were just like purely there on power level alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that Prowess is actually a good example of that. Is that I think that Burn is likely going to be come back and be better than prowess now Mm -hmm. because prowess really fed off of the fact that there were not a ton of spot removal spells yeah so you got to play things like runaway steamkin and your prowess creatures were living more on average than normal right and the prowess v burn matchup is pretty bad for prowess yes burn burn is pretty favored in that one Mm -hmm. so i i think that when it comes to like red spells burn is gonna retake the crown on that one um i see what you did there but uh <laughs> yeah i mean uh playing this weekend um i played against prowess twice i played against burn twice yeah the burn decks just you know our games were like close-ish as they kind of always are against burn sure. but the ability to stabilize with oko pretty quickly mm-hmm. into the game just you know 
I was not afraid of anything once I did that. I knew that the game was 100% locked up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though we were going to play several turns, they could top deck perfectly every turn, but all they can do is draw a Boros drama every turn. <laughs> sure. And, and I knew I was ahead against that. The Prowess yeah. deck had draws that could make the three life a turn from an Oka or a Goose not actually just yeah. game ending. Yeah, the Prowess deck from can from nothing put like... 20 power on the board mm -hmm. and like have a bunch of cards in hand at the end of the turn yeah which is pretty sweet but i don't think that that deck is was good purely based on power level i think it was good just because of the the way that the format kind of shook up mm -hmm. really needs the right environment yeah yeah one thing i've heard people talking about is a bunch of linear decks especially primeval titan decks i've heard valakut coming back especially with some new cards from theros field of the dead decks titan amulet tron dredge i've heard rumblings of just like a bunch of linear decks mm -hmm. that are all kind of like non-interactive and i know the format's not just gonna be that mm -hmm. i don't know where i stand on that because it feels like humans i don't know what keeps humans down right now if no one's playing you know removal and engineer explosives yeah engineer <laughs> yeah. explosives <laughs> right yeah well so i think that a lot of the buzz that i've heard is around amulet specifically mm -hmm. um I think that is the one that people are excited to get their primeval titans never turned into elk again. And you actually have to find a way to kill this thing. And there aren't very many. So if you get it into play, you're probably attacking with it, et cetera, et cetera. Also your amulets don't get turned into elk and they're going to get very rarely get stolen by Archmage's charm or whatever. Mm -hmm. So definitely hearing a lot of buzz around amulets specifically humans is pretty good against amulet Titan, but I think there's probably also going to be room for tron to continue being good it did get hit by that mycosynth lattice ban what do y'all think about the mycosynth lattice ban because to me it's it, it's kind of like a little out of left field but i kind of get why they did it I, I, what do y'all think i mean i think it sets an interesting standard of the fact that they can and will ban things purely based on play patterns have, I think that they've done that before, but I just can't think of... Second well, Sunrise is the most and clear example of that. And Sensei's Divining Top. Yes. Okay, and Sensei's Divining Top. But yeah, well, I think that it, it kind of makes sense that like they heard that enough people didn't like the fact that that existed, where just like people were getting locked out of the game, and that I guess that's not fun or whatever. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fine. Like I'm I, like I'm not gonna miss it. <laughs> it it is <laughs> it is kind of weird. Super weird because. Nine times out of ten, maybe higher than that, 99 out of 100, mm -hmm. when Lattice enters the battlefield and Karn doesn't die, the game is over, mm -hmm. effectively. Yeah. Like, you can force him to play it out and make them show you, like, a walking blast off Karn the next couple turns. Right. Dig through their deck. But it's not play, actually different from a lethal grape shot happening that turn. Yeah, it's basically Splinter Twin. And I don't think the decks that really benefited from Karn... Mm-hmm didn't super benefit because of Mike Synthlatus. Like, it was a good part of Karn, right? Like, Eldrazi Tron was really good Karn deck because it didn't have a sideboard. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it got to play Lattice as a free win card. And Eldrazi Tron's a lot worse now because you don't have, like, that free win when you're just playing a bunch of, like, larger-than-average creatures with a bunch of toolbox cards. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what Eldrazi Tron is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it really is. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, like, a big part of the reason that Eldrazi Tron became, like, the Tron deck of choice sort of for the recently at least um i mean yeah number one your sideboard was terrible anyway so using those slots was fine but also just like 
having dumb bodies to like block for your Karn the Great Creator helped it survive a lot better than like also having a Karn Liberated or an Ugin in your hand. You don't really need more win conditions if you can just protect your Karn. That's not the case anymore necessarily. It also, Karn the Great Creator also had a huge effect that because the format was so dominated by Mox Opal and Urza and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like it, its static ability had relevance a lot of the matches. Yeah. Like a, a good percentage of them. And now that's just not the case. Like I know G- Mono Green Tron played Karn uh, the Great Creator, uh, even though its sideboard was fine and it played Lattice because you're playing Karn, so why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it kept playing Karn because artifact decks were good, and Karn the Great Creator is really good in the mirror. Shuts yeah. off all the cycling cards, the, the expedition maps, the what have yous. Now Mono Green Karn- Tron could just toss Karn the Great Creator kind of in the trash yeah. and just go back to playing kind of a streamlined deck. Yeah. And that also may enable it to play once upon a time at this point. Yet four of your payoffs, if you switch those over to be creatures again, then you may be dense enough on creature win conditions that once upon a time is a card that makes more sense for the deck. You know, for better or for worse. I don't know if that's a healthy thing for the format if Tron is able to play a free cantrip in addition to its ancient stirrings now, but you know, whatever. Really, really, the only time I felt like Karn Lattice was somewhat offensive at all was when I see kind of really fringe decks that only kind of won, like Mono Red Prison, kind of like a Blood Moon and Snaring Bridge deck mm-hmm. that just played Karn and cannibalized its sideboard just to have a bunch of bullets. And that's like fine to exist. Like if we didn't ban Lattice because you know Monterey Prison, prison. <laughs> like tearing it up. You know, it just feels like a weird ban that didn't really need to happen. Yeah, I don't think it needed to happen. Yeah, but I guess Wizards wanted it to happen, so they pulled the trigger on it. it like, but you know, and that is interesting, be- like to think about because we're in this atmosphere right now where there are bans that do need to happen. So when they do one that doesn't feel like necessary, it feels weird. I mean. You know, there it is. Yeah. It is funny because, like, having the Karns in the deck was one of the things that gave Tron a lot of game against Amulet. Like, that was a way for you to start shutting them down. If you make Tron, like, that's one of your very relevant things to do on turn three is Karn, Liquid Metal Coating, like, screw up your turn really badly, win the game. Like, you have fewer plays on your, like, turn three Tron or turn four Tron that actually like matter in that you know that's one specific matchup but kind of interesting that i i really do feel like the primeval titan decks kind of gained a lot here i don't know exactly what is going to be the best one i know that you know there's a lot of talk about this dryad of the elysian grove in the valakut decks i think that might pull like the the valakut and the field titan decks a little closer together because you have this like unifying thing and the cool thing about how that card works is, like, all on its own, even if you had nothing else, you play that on turn three, you play a land. If you untap with it, then on your turn four, you play a fifth land. And if you have one, even one Valakut in play, if you then play a fetch land, that's, like, two lightning bolts. So, like, like all on its own, it lets you start, like, bolting or double bolting. Or if you had two Valakuts, God forbid, then you're, like, quad bolting on, on just turn four with just that that Dryad. And I don't know if the Dryad, like, totally makes it, but that's a yeah. very powerful, like, right. thing. The strongest... Yeah, I think the Dryad's very good. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the best things about the Dryad is that it... A, a lot of the old Valakut decks, you had to play a bunch of mountains, a bunch of badlands, a bunch of, like, kind of 
ramp just to get you to Valakut. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the and one of the good things about the field, the blue green field deck, was that it kind of just played a regular primeval titan game. Yeah, and then played field of the dead and got zombies, and you could play a fair game too. Dryad mm-hmm. lets you do both at the same time without kind of sacrificing anything. You get to make your mana base a lot smoother. Right. You can play Valakuts, which are granted a common to play tapped red source, not too useful. But we're playing like thirty lands, so right. we can afford to have some lands that are weird like that. You know, we have. Basically, like, 24 real lands and then two Fields of the Dead and four Valakuts or whatever. And I've seen amulet lists w- that wanted more Azusas, but there's no other card like Azusa. Mm-hmm. So they played Wayward Swordtooth, yeah. which was a bad Azusa, but it still let you play an extra land a turn. This is much better than Wayward yeah, Swordtooth. Yeah, yeah. Dryad just kind of blows Wayward Swordtooth off the water. Yeah. It can block every time instead <laughs> of just when you have 10 permanents in play. Yeah. Uh, it's reasonable. It doesn't die to bolt. Fixes your mana. It's just a very serviceable card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's definitely going to make its way into some of these strategies. And I'm interested to see kind of like what evolves from it. Yeah, it definitely is possible to just... If you drew your hand and it was like two grazers and uh, a dryad of the Elysian Grove, it's like, okay, this hand's going to just run out of cards very quickly and I'm not actually going to get to the thing that I want to do. So there's some balance that needs to get struck there. And, you know, maybe it is putting tireless trackers into the deck or something like that, some reload engine, or maybe it's really just like, if we have 32 lands, like that's fine. That's enough lands that that makes this work. But yeah, I do think that generally like we are leaning towards a spot where these big mana decks are looking really good. Primeval Titan decks, especially. And then that, I guess means that, okay, some of these aggro decks that line up well against those specifically could be the place to be. I know the overall jury is in conflict about this, but you've always felt comfortable playing Burn against Amulet Titan. Um, yeah. It's a classic matchup where just people on both sides of the aisle believe that they're favored. Yeah. I like my Amulet matchup with Burn. Mm-hmm. Every Amulet player I've talked to likes their Burn matchup. Of course. So Well, they have Radiant Fountain in their deck, yeah. don't you know? <laughs> they have Radiant Fountain, and I think I expect that their win percentage against the average Burn player will be higher than their win percentage against me yeah not to toot my own horn but you know you played a lot of burn there's a lot of stuff that people get wrong with these aggressive strategies Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i do have to say like playing against you playing prowess is different than playing against other opponents that i've had playing prowess i was walking around the room and i was burning some other prowess players Mm -hmm. and you know i made a lot of mistakes with the deck and and they made a lot of mistakes too that i saw so uh it's it's hard well and i i definitely like Evan and Dylan and Zan were talking about a lot of Evan's plays mm-hmm. over the course of the day, just like when to cast this mana morphos is really hard. Do yeah. I, I'm not maximizing my triggers off of it, but I want to hit a steamkin this turn. So mm-hmm. do I cast a turn two? Like, right, right. Yeah, those those things to balance were definitely really tough. Like, do you do you jam it now in order to like make it more likely to hear your third land drop mm-hmm. or? Do you really need a steamkin to win this game, or you know, all of the factors are yeah difficult to weigh. A lot of the similar decisions that I had that I wasn't never one hundred percent sure if I was making the right decision. I made the decisions that seemed the best for me at the time, but uh, cracking bobbles and spell bombs to try to like hit land drops or whatever, even though you know like that I'm down one more artifact when I get this Urza into play mm-hmm. is always like a weird, diff- really difficult dance. Yeah, and so. I assume very similar with the cantrips in that deck. Yeah. Yeah. What's 
the weirdest thing to me about this new modern format is that to me, with maybe the exception of being Primeval Titan, there doesn't seem to be a clear standout best modern card left. Mm-hmm. Maybe Once Upon a Time. I think Once Upon a Time is the... If we're, if we're talking about, like, modern cards from the perspective of, like, casting, this makes me feel like I'm doing really, really good. Doing it. Well, Primeval Titan has to be up there, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess because it's the <laughs> yeah. six-mana spell that you're allowed to cast in modern. But Casting I mean, Primeval Titan, let me tell you. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay yeah. spells, spells in your opening hand. Yeah, sure. Like, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was Mox Opal the before. More, the more modern yeah, definition was. of, like, the, the broken cards. Right. Like, you know, cheap, free, yeah. looking at five cards, ancient stones. Yes. <laughs> what I mean is, like, so Mox Opal is just banned. There's... A bunch of artifact payoffs still in the format. Urza, Sai, Sahili, all that stuff. Yeah, Goblin Engineer. Goblin Engineer, Emery. Mm-hmm. And the weirdest thing about the artifact decks was always that the payoffs were way more powerful than the artifacts. The artifacts pretty much just aren't very good usually. Yep. Like the, the Urza decks that we just finished banning played like 12 artifacts. Mm-hmm. Four of them were Opal, four of them were Bobble, two of them were June Explosive. Yeah, yeah. and then four like... Gilded Goose because it was way better than <laughs> yeah. any of the other one-mana artifacts. Yeah, and we're, we're just kind of taking out Mox Opal, which really just hampers everything. And we we haven't had a format without Mox, a modern format of Mox Opal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of like when they banned Faithless Looting. Like we, it just takes out a whole swath of... Because Faithless Looting was the best enabler by a mile right. for graveyard decks. Yeah. L- literally the only playable right enabler for for graveyard deck. i mean cathartic reunion like counts for dredge yeah. specifically we've replaced it with uh the crab <laughs> like that's like as right. good as it gets now for the uh, yeah. that's a blue card yeah. it's so hard to find blue <laughs> graveyard cards right yeah right. and it dies to fatal push <laughs> yeah it's not great dies to dies to a stiff breeze yeah it really, it really dies <laughs> to just anything at all <laughs> i really don't like i really think Wizards kind of did graveyard decks dirty. It just feels like they haven't existed since Faithless Looting yeah. got banned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after Mox Opal gets banned, are artifacts going to exist? Probably all? not. Yeah, no. probably. I, like, I was thinking just no. Yeah, like maybe there's something you can figure out to do with specifically Goblin Engineer because that's kind of cheap. It has repeatable effects. Urza's way too expensive, but it's still really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Emery's playable. I don't think yeah size playable like all, right. all these cards just really relied on extra mana and the zero cost right. card goblin engineer is a little different in that it's a toolbox yeah and and i mean you do obviously want some number of artifacts that can be in play when you have goblin engineer in play but it's not like urza where like the more artifacts you have in play the better he is when you cast them with engineer as long as you have one throwaway artifact in play it's it can do its job if you have more it can do more but and a, a lot of the artifact decks were just coincidental in Snaring Bridge decks for like mm-hmm. the last year. Snaring Bridge is a lot worse without and a Snaring Bridge mox. is pretty much very bad now. Like you, you <laughs> yeah. just have to play more lands. You can't empty your hand. Like so, everyone's kind of turning to the Once Upon a Time Primeval Titan decks, and it just feels like it's going to be for the foreseeable future. Kind of just. I'm going to try to kill you as fast as possible, interact very little kind mm-hmm. of decks, which doesn't feel like a good thing. It feels like a regression a little bit. Mo- I mean, Modern's been there before. I've always enjoyed it a little bit, but oh, that, I, it's just because now we're switching into my playstyle. So, Oh, I, I also really enjoy that. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I have never played Jund ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, I mean, Urza is really the first time we had a Modern format 
since like Deathrite Shaman Jund, basically, that was yeah. built around a mid range deck, you know? Yeah. I-, I think when Phoenix was the best deck, that deck was perfectly fair. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I mean? It played fair match. It does an unfair thing sometimes, but it's never. But killing you turn two. That's like the level of deck I like to see in modern, where you're just you're trying to kill people, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. you also can interact, you do your thing. Yeah, you can even uh, board and counter spells. Yeah, I like the words of decks because they're the same thing. They like want to kill you as fast as possible. They can kill you on turn two or three. Yep. But they can play a long game and interact. Mm-hmm. Primeval Titan does that, which is cool. Uh, Burn doesn't do that. Humans kind of does that. If people are playing Tron Storm, these are just all really linear, non-interactive decks, mm-hmm. and I don't. I, I, I want to see more. <laughs> yeah. You want to see more interaction, not more... I want to see more... I don't I don't mind linear decks, right? Sure. But I like it when linear decks can be more than that. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, you want more... Like, like you think Amulet Titan is a much more fun deck than Valakut, for example. Right. Uh, or, yeah, or healthier, because the games vary more. Mm-hmm. Like, if I have to play against Valakut nine rounds versus playing against Amulet nine rounds, they're both really at its core trying to do the same thing they're putting a premium titan into play and i should lose the next turn mm. but it feels like there's a lot less variance in my games when i play against valakut right i, I just know what's going to happen every turn and i yeah. die sometimes right right against amulet i can interact on a couple different axes they have creatures they play they play artifacts mm-hmm. that sort of deal there's a lot more that's going on that you can interact with which is really valuable for a gameplay experience i think i agree yeah yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The Titan decks are an obvious place to go. Um, we did see some stuff pop up kind of recently in Modern. Um, we did see a Teamer Panza deck top eight the GP <laughs> that happened this same weekend and then yeah. get swiftly banned out of Modern. Because <laughs> that deck oh, was man. an Oko Karn yeah. deck. It was the end game of the format. Right, yeah. yeah. It could like, not be allowed Oh, they figured it out. Ban everything. <laughs> yeah. That deck had yeah. four Magus of the Moons in it main deck, mm-hmm. or four was it Blood Moon or Mag? I don't even remember. It had I think, it was, in it. I think it was four main deck Blood Moons. Yeah, it was sweet. Yeah, it is not good anymore without yeah. Oko. On along the same lines, uh, Kethis top aided the Grand. Oh, Parade. that's right, the same one. Yeah, so you know, Kethis had one shining moment before Mox Opa got banned. Uh, <laughs> Can't play good. that anymore. Whoops. Right. But, you know, we, we should definitely at some point talk about uh, Yawgmoth combo. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Barrett won oh, that's right. uh, yep. the Open with the deck that did not get touched by the bands. And as far as, like, diversity of the ways that the game plays out, it feels like that definitely qualifies. Yeah. I actually really like that deck. I, mm-hmm. I've, it's been on my radar for a little bit, but it just felt much worse than Urza's, so I never really looked into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and honestly, the Oko ban, I think, helps that deck... Yeah, because like the card Oko is good against that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and you know Urza was just a versatile answer deck with a lot of ways to beat combo decks. Yeah, um, and I, I don't think Aaron would have played that deck unless she thought that it, you know, she was reasonably favored against Urza. Well, I watched a lot of Aaron's games. Mm-hmm. She played extremely well mm-hmm. anytime she played against. Uh, a deck like Urza, where it had a lot of counter spells or interaction, mm-hmm. she navigated those games extremely well. It was yeah. very impressive. Yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, I think that she was one of the only people in the room that really knew what her deck did as well as she did. So that's true. Uh, I think that you get a lot of advantage out of that. Uh, and when you're playing a deck like that, to the optimization that I'm sure she was, you can win a tournament. My, I, I do think that the deck is pretty exciting, and I'm gonna look into it. 
uh, playing that deck appeals to me a lot more than playing a Primeval Titan deck generally. So I'd like to see if that deck is, you know, has what it takes to keep up. My main problem with the deck, a deck like that, is when I look at the list and I see four Young Wolf, four Strangleroogeist, four Garolf's Messenger. Not only does Strangleroogeist cost GG and Garolf's Messenger cost black, black, black. Well, that doesn't get you excited. That doesn't <laughs> super pump me up. And also, those are cards that are not at a modern power level. I don't believe they're just the pyretic rituals of they are yeah i mean and that's a fine argument and i i totally buy that one of your pyretic rituals cost black 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 though (laughs) whoa but it deals too when it gets to the battlefield (laughs) and it comes into play tapped and then you die to their primeval titan whoa whoa, whoa. yeah well sometimes you will (laughs) so like my concern is mostly like on a raw card quality level and uh i mean you're certainly helped along by the london mulligan because you get to throw away like excess undying guys and make your hand as likely as possible to have either Yawgmoth or a way of getting Yawgmoth into play, which the deck has a ton of. Like, I'm sure that it is not that hard to get Yawgmoth into play between Eldritch Evolution and Once Upon a Time and just, you know, there's a lot of redundancy there. But there are 12 solidly terrible cards in the deck. One of the endearing things to me about that is that I really like when the games get scrappy and they always do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and your creatures just have a little bit more value, even though they're unplayable. You get to trade them off kind of for free because you get them back. Mm-hmm. And it's part of a card draw engine later on. Yeah. So they, they are bad. They're bad cards. Don't get me wrong. But they aren't unplayable. Like, they have a use. You can play them. I saw a Strangler Guest deck for Lethal a couple times. Sure. Yeah, and that's going to happen. But I think that's actually going to happen less than you would kind of think by looking at the list, like, okay, yeah, if I don't Yawgmoth combo them, I can kill them with my guys. I think even after these bans, Modern's power level is so high. You know, if they have a Tarmogoyf in play, you're not killing them with these creatures. No, but if, they, if they're Field of the Dead zombieing, and you've got, you know, your, like, Young Wolf and your Strangaroot Geist mm-hmm. and a Blood Artist, like, mm-hmm. maybe it gets hard for them, you know? Maybe. you got to have <laughs> oh, oh, they have to have a lot of zombies. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm definitely going to give this deck a shot. It looks pretty pretty sweet, pretty fun. And, and Yawgmoth is a pretty powerful card. And if we're pushing Urza out, this is the next in the cycle of four mana Modern Horizons Mythics with just way too much text. So we got to check all those out. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to the, the epic battle of Urza versus Yawgmoth, clearly Yawgmoth has come I'm, out on top. Came out on top. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, here we are. Defeated Urza and Karn. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> In the story, I don't remember if Yawgmoth did this. Are I we just, a lore podcast I just now? remember <laughs> that the only way to like beat an old school planeswalker was to keep them, like, keep constantly torturing them such that they had to focus their mental energies on regenerating their physical body rather than planeswalking away. And so a couple of times Urza got trapped by like Yawgmoth or other characters by just like basically getting put into a phyrexian shredder and just having to like keep regenerating himself the magic story was hardcore Whoa, for a is, little while that's pretty intense uh yawgmoth cut off urza's head mm-hmm. or it was helped along by urza or the yawgmoth then he's just a disembodied head that's yeah. that's what yawgmoth has defeated <laughs> we have the head of urza the mox opal just on the ban list <laughs> out of the format yep oh man so what other stuff has popped up 
and modern. What else would we think to try going forward? I know you were thinking maybe some sort of storm deck. Devoted Druid and Storm are really similar, mm-hmm. I think. Like, they're kind of like the linear, beat up on the fast mana kind of style decks. Yeah. And maybe you can try that. I don't know which one's better. Like, they, I think they both have their flaws. Devoted Druid just play once upon a time, so it's probably better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I... That's kind of my... When I saw everyone being like, let's play the Primeval Titan decks, the Tron deck, the Dredge deck, the whatever deck. I'm like, let's play the Storm deck. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's just be a turn faster than most of like, all of these yeah. decks. Yeah. Can I interest you in an Ad Nauseam deck? I, I saw people doing all of that too. It's yeah. like the same principle. Yep. You just yeah. try to be hard to kill, but I can tell you that Storm and Devoted Druid are really bad against Burn. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like spell-based combo becomes definitely back on the menu but you know i i'm definitely leaning more towards the last thing you mentioned which is the the burned category of being able to beat up on these yeah. big mana decks with burn ad nauseum so, pretty good against burn ad, yeah ad nauseum's tough yeah phyrexian um, unlife is just angels like, of grace like their their main combo pieces just try to not to help yeah. them not die yeah, right and it, it might be interesting where especially with like the return of theros uh it might be really important to be able to destroy enchantments instead of artifacts as a sideboard piece and the boros decks as they exist can't do that very well Mm. if if like ad nauseum becomes a thing you you need destructive revelry in your deck right and the mana bases right now with boros burn is not supportive of that so right do you have a theros enchantment you think you want to destroy um, probably not. Because <laughs> yeah, the only one I can they don't think look of super modern that playable. looks good is the Dryad, which is an enchantment. Yeah, that's kind of the only one, right? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, mostly it's just due to the fact that Mox Opals, like artifacts, are gone. just yeah. artifacts are just gone. So I guess like either like all of those slots become free, or like potentially I could see like you know ley lines could come back, mm-hmm. or because once people start playing a density of ley line of sanctity, you just can't play. You just can't play burn. Well, so here's the thing. Like, we don't need artifact hate in our sideboards anymore. Mm-hmm. So that opens up, like, oh, yeah, I used to have these slots as Ley Lines of Sanctity. It looks like people right. are playing Burn again. Can I just play these Ley Lines of Sanctity again? Yeah, yeah. So that that could certainly happen, especially because the graveyard decks are so bad. Your slots that, like, alternated between graveyard hate and artifact hate just kind of, like... <laughs> like you, you just play whatever reactive spells you want to now like yeah. you don't have to worry about artifacts you don't have to worry about graveyards or these just... spell snares in there like, just i don't know lands and spells are pretty much the only things we're allowed to play in modern now yeah, yeah. kind of crazy i mean i think that people will be trying a couple of graveyard decks uh once the new set comes out because we'll have ox of Agonis as a kind of exciting card for dredge true which i think will power it up some i don't know if it like fixes the problems with it in that you don't have a lot of ways to like make your opening hand do the opening hand stuff the way that faithless looting did yeah 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 i was talking to uh i think i was talking to evan about this on the car ride home from knoxville where he says that he just doesn't believe that the ox adds as much as people think it does Mm -hmm. to the dredge deck like the main point there was that like what dredge is missing is like what you're talking about like the the early stuff and dredge already has like this like powerful resiliency to it that mm-hmm. the ox adds to so right um yeah i mean the main thing it does is it transforms your like middle of the game thing from a grindy like from a loam plan mm-hmm. 
with cycling lands to a more explosive like you get to draw those cards that you would draw off the cycling lands more quickly yeah. but you have to have done it some leading up to that so i don't know if that powers up dredge enough um, i do think the ox is going to do other stuff oh yeah i think that it's just it's just like a treasure cruise you can cast from your graveyard <laughs> if you can get it into your graveyard yeah that's and if you can empty your hand right yeah and I mean, if you're playing red and if you're playing red but like, I mean, Battle Rover's great. So, <laughs> it like, is it like, is it not very easy to imagine a legacy deck with Faithless Looting that wants to cast a Treasure Cruise from its graveyard? Right. Like, no, it's not. But it is hard for me to imagine playing Legacy. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm <laughs> too <probably> soon. <laughs> too soon, Lee. <laughs> oh, it hurts. Okay. Anyways, welcome to the party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And if, if we had a way of getting this ox into the graveyard. Like, that would be a hell of a, you know, prowess or burn enabler kind of thing if we yeah. still had a Faithless Suiting or something to go along with it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we just don't have a quality way of doing that. If someone figures out a good Hedron Crab deck graveyard mm -hmm. version, because the, the current Crab Vine deck is just not very good. Yeah. Uh, if someone figures out a good version of that deck, like, that Crab puts a lot of cards in a graveyard, mm -hmm. and... I don't know what Ox is doing there, but it, yeah. you can put it out really early. The problem so, is that there's no, like, consistency there. Like, yeah, right. you, you really need, like, eight pieces that do what Crab does. Yeah. You need you need your Crab and your Faithless Looting. You need, you know, just, right. like, two sets of Crabs. Like, with, right. with Vengevine, if you have Crab and you keep it, like, you you win. Like, that's usually good enough. Like, that, the fail case of the deck is when they they... Fatal push your crab or you don't have crab and lands and you yeah. just like don't actually mill yourself. Right. So like while Ox could add to some of the draws, it's not fixing the games where your deck just like doesn't do the thing. Yeah. Kind of the same problem it has with adding into dredge. Probably. Yeah. When I was playing against Crabvine with Prowess, I would just like if they were on the play, I would just forego playing my turn one creature just so I could bolt the crab that I knew that they kept their hand <laughs> off of because they had it every time. And then if you can like just respond to the fetch with them with the bolt, and mm -hmm. then they've only milled three, and then their deck is not doing anything, yep. and you can beat them. <laughs> yep. Um, so I think once people figured out that play pattern, it's just not. Yeah, it's not gonna. It's just not very good. It. Yeah. Another graveyard deck that is possible to exist, though less likely after the Mox Opal ban, um, some sort of uh, Underworld Breach-based deck. Um, oh, yeah. I do believe the card is still has a lot of potential and could be really strong. However, the obvious way to build the deck with, like, eight Moxes, <laughs> right. Grinding Station, because I, I believe just Grinding Station plus Underworld Breach is... And a, and a zero. Yeah, it's just infinite. It, yeah, it's just like pretty much guaranteed end to the game. That is a lot less consistent now, so I don't know if that's going to happen. To me, those decks, or deck ideas, since I haven't actually seen a deck, yeah. uh, they feel like the Jeskai Ascendancy mm -hmm. kind of deck to me, where it is doing a powerful thing and it kills you in one turn, mm -hmm. but you have to like have these disparate pieces that don't function that well together, Mana's kind of awkward. It's mana's awkward to just guy sentency. Yeah, but when you're playing a colors card and a red card, it's fine. <laughs> yes, you just have to figure bad. out all the rest of the stuff the deck does. And I haven't seen a convincing argument as to what the deck does other than play a bunch of like relatively unplayable artifacts and grinding station. And sure, rage. I think that's a fixable problem for this. Would have been a fixable problem for this particular combo because the pieces are so cheap 
and can be used like i'm i'm sure that you can find like sort of substitute like half combo pieces to fill the roles of each of them like so that if you have an underworld breach you can find something to do to get you to the grinding station if you have a grinding station you can find something to get you to the underworld breach i don't know exactly what that is but because both of the pieces cost two mana you never have to like have a creature in play that you untap with or give haste or like cast out of the graveyard like a fate stitcher or something like that like the combo is so tight and minimal and the cards around it can be pretty powerful, like just cantrips and zero mana artifacts and whatever. I, like, I think it could have been really good, but I'm much, much less excited to try it without Mox Opal enabling the whole thing. I agree. But um, it would have been really funny if we had a metagame where all the dredge folks are rushing headlong into tournaments with their Ox of Agonises, running into people who put four rest in pieces in their sideboard to beat the Underworld Breach deck. <laughs> yeah. Don't you feel bad for the Dredge players already? Like, wow. <laughs> You're really just no, wishing hate on them. <laughs> you, you know. I thought you liked Faithless Looting. I love Faithless Looting. I yeah. don't like Faithless Looting in Dredge specifically. Right. Yeah, you know? Chris is more of a Phoenix kind of that was That was the one place where Faithless Looting was, I felt, a problem. Because <laughs> Dredge just like isn't really a Magic the Gathering deck. No. I also really didn't, never enjoyed playing Dredge. So <laughs> Really? I really didn't like it. Huh. Um, I just, it, it always felt like your pieces had to come together in like kind of specific ways. You always had to have enough lands and you always had to like hit the dredger and your, your dredges like had to like not hit just nonsense or you could die like pretty quickly in the game. Like, well, it's interesting because that was always my favorite part of dredge. Yeah. (laughs) Some of the games are scrappy. You're, you're really trying to cobble it together by (laughs) hard casting stinkweed up. So I enjoyed that element of it, but, but I, I see what you mean for sure. But like if you're hard casting stinkweed imp, that's in the games where you like did hit enough lands, not like oh god like i didn't hit life from the low man i'm on like i don't know sure you know yeah and eh, just mold four more often i mean you'll yeah, be fine certainly you're uh, the mulligan rule helps a lot <laughs> yeah but yeah modern whole new world the end of an era no more you know no more artifacts it feels like yeah it's just <laughs> i saw somebody post a stupid tweet that was like first they came for the graveyard decks and i didn't speak out because i wasn't a graveyard mage <laughs> and then like it's a couple yeah, things yeah. and then they came for the artifact decks and there was no one left to speak out for me <laughs> hilarious yeah i've i've always been kind of sad that wizards banned the good enabled so one thing i liked about how wizards handled storm bans because they banned like there are a lot Every of card from Storm. There's right. a lot of Storm. <laughs> but they could have handled it by banning Grape Shot, shot and Empty the Warrants. Yeah, it feels like banning Mox Opal and banning Faithless Looting is the equivalent of banning Grape Shot. Yeah. The reason they didn't ban Grape Shot for the first like three years of Modern, when Storm was really, really good, mm-hmm. or I guess first year or two, mm-hmm. uh, was because they wanted the format to be healthy where Storm doesn't dominate everything, but also not to delete people who liked playing their storm deck from the format. Yep. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, seven, eight years later, there's like, all right, artifacts are deleted. <laughs> all right. Graveyards. They're for dead stuff. That's it. You're not bringing anything back. <laughs> artifacts. We're playing enchantments now. <laughs> like, yeah, get welcome, out of here. Welcome to Theros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, what happened to our grape shot ban philosophy? Like, it, it just feels so weird. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're about to enter into a new phase of, like how Wizards handles bans just entirely. Because like now, every Monday, anything can happen. 
So, <laughs> you know, who knows what they'll do with that? I mean, like, they just decided, like, ah, Mike Sinslatis, out of here. Like, maybe next Monday. It's yeah, just yeah. like, oh, never mind, guys. Mike Sinslatis, totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Whoops. I mean, <laughs> right. And that one still does feel like it came out of just nowhere. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, I mean, good. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It wasn't, like, it wasn't adding a lot of, like, really good and interesting stuff to the format. And there were points at which, like, the Tron deck that did not play the new Karn mm-hmm. was, like, arguably better than the, like, this new fancy Karn deck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think Tron will be fine. Yeah. Um, e certainly takes a hit, but that deck's never... That, people people will always continue playing Etron no matter what happens to it until they ban Mattery Shaper. <laughs> until the yeah, oh my god, please at some point next Monday. <laughs> I hope it gets banned in Pioneer, yeah, yeah. not Modern, just Pioneer. In order to save Warning Etron shot. players from themselves, <laughs> we banned Mattery Shaper so that we're just making this decision for them. <laughs> just save save you from yourselves. We've, we've noticed. Uh, alarmingly high percentage of battery shapers in these Eldrazi Tron decks. Yeah. So to encourage diversity in these all colorless decks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna force you to play with the card type we just banned. Yes. Right. Um goodness. Yeah, I wonder if Etron will really survive. Because the thing that it did that was good, it had two good things, was chalicing people and carning people. Carning people is certainly worse now. And I think it's specifically worse in Etron as compared to other decks because Etron liked using Karn as a win condition much more than just a prison element. Because once you once you get down in snaring bridge in your Etron deck, you then need your planeswalker to actually kill them because the rest of your deck ain't doing it anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. it really depends on what you mean by survive. Because I would argue that Jund did not survive Oko's printing, but mm-hmm. I still played against it all the time. Yeah, sure. So people will play Eldrazi Tron, and sometimes it will do well at tournaments. Because mm-hmm. Jund, like I played against Jund at day two in Columbus, and day two was 7% of the field, a very small portion of people. Yeah. One of those people were playing Jund. At least one, maybe yeah. more. Yeah. yeah, and Eldrazi Tron, I think even with Karn, in this previous format, where Karn is very is very reasonable and shutting down artifacts with activated abilities and stuff. I think Eldrazi Tron still was not a good deck choice and people continued to play it. You know, Evan was enjoying playing the new version of the deck. He thought it was pretty powerful. The one with once upon a times and serum powders and serum powders. Um, he thought it was pretty powerful, but he chose not to play it because it's Urza matchup was just not that good. Right. Yeah. And if that's true, probably nobody should have been playing that deck, but it continued to see pretty reasonable amount of play and support mm. yep and i think that's just always going to be the case people are going to play the decks they want to play until even... they get banned yeah until they get banned it's the only thing that stops us but i want to still play oko <laughs> <laughs> well you might not be in the majority yeah. there i i'm gonna take these gilded gooses and and, and run with them <laughs> i don't care listen i love playing oko against my opponent I did not love yeah, getting Oko cast against me. That's the rub, right? It's kind of like where every game, every Oko mirror kind of just feels like the Karn mirror, mm-hmm. where the first person to get their Oko down and the other person doesn't have it immediately. Yep. Just loses. Just way ahead. Yep. Yep. It's very good that it's gone now. I mean, yeah. And that's why we did not spend much of this podcast talking about Oko's banning. Right. Obviously, it was coming. Well, and, and one thing that I do want to talk about a little bit with, the, like, obviously, it needed to happen for the health 
of modern you know it was in 40 percent of the like decks that did okay at any tournament or whatever it was always 60 at the end of it 60 at the end of it there were like 24 in each of these top eights or whatever yeah so yeah and, and it just like made games disasters basically however i i i do think that there's a real real cost to these bannings and on the one hand you know we have everybody on twitter saying like i own like 24 mox opals and 32 okos and i'm like fine with this banning having happened which like i think most of that came from a place of good intentions saying like yeah. i'm okay make like it's okay that this happened because i prefer for this format to be healthy over this investment that i've made usually just in a place out of the cards or whatever yeah um and it was not it, it wasn't intended to be like hey stop complaining about your cards being banned like for the value like put the format over your own interest it was mostly people just saying like okay this doesn't really bother me that much because i i like the format being good however the cost of these cards was very real for a lot of people who bought into them and and just got them to play with yeah i um, I, i've had opals for a while three or four years or so and I've played with them pretty much nonstop. Mm-hmm. I've got my use out of them. I did not buy them at $100. But I know Chris, one of our friends, Chris, mm-hmm. bought Mox Opals like a few months ago. Jeez. Just because Urza was really good before Oka was printed. And just hopes, wanted to get six months with it and it didn't get that far. <laughs> and I understand where people are coming from when they say like, it's I own these cards and I accept that they got banned and I think it's good. And I'm fine with it because of the health of the format. Mm-hmm. But it's not clear to me all the time whether banning a card like Mox Opal or Faithless Looting is for the health of the format when other bans could be made. Like, uh, Oko, 100%, I agree. I owned Okos. Played them until they got banned in every format. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they have been. Yep. And that that card just needs to go. It's There's no question about it. It has gotten banned in standard pioneer and modern and the set after throne of eldraine has not come out yet <laughs> that is correct but like oko needs to go it needed to go but there's no card like it mox opal did go but you can also ban like urza you can ban mistress bobble if you want people to like still play like their kind of decks mm-hmm. i've seen a lot of like alternative bannings and i don't know what i would ban if i were in charge yeah I, I, that's not my decision but it just feels really weird that people are thinking that Wizards knows exactly which cards to ban. And it just so happened to be the most expensive one that mm-hmm. completely enables the archetype or this you know type yeah. of deck. Well, and I, I am pretty particularly sympathetic as someone who really did enjoy playing with Faithless Looting. Because I really do like non-dredge graveyardy decks. Yeah. There's simply no way to play those decks anymore and i think the format is worse because of that right not better we we like banned a bunch of really cool cards when we banned faithless looting you know arc light phoenix is gone hollow one is gone like uh, you know any madness spell that you wanted to play or anything like that i don't know if you actually do but like any like thoughts you had of oh i'd like to cast gorio's vengeance on something like you, you can't really do that um, and that removes a lot of the neat stuff in the format. And same thing with, with Mox Opal being banned. Um, I did feel like Mox Opal got used for a lot of more degenerate stuff because it oh, is, absolutely. you know, 
it's a mana maker for zero mana, and that's like kind of a wild thing. Oh, uh, I'm not. I don't mean to downplay the power of Moxel. It's mm-hmm. an extremely powerful card. But cutting off like, hey, check out this cool artifact deck, just kind of doesn't. Yeah, my, like I, it just feels odd to use a ban list to eliminate mm-hmm. types of decks like Faithless Living, like Moxel. Yeah. Instead of using it like to ban Oko. To ban even lattice is a fine ban. You're not really eliminating anything. You're just a card right. in your sideboard that happens to when the game is no longer there. That's fine. Who cares? Yeah. But banning, you know, seething song, perfectly fine. Storm's just a little worse. Mm-hmm. That that sort of deal. Yeah. Banning grave shot sucks though. Right. So, I think the problem though with the like the way that they have been doing it is that if they are going to continue to push the limits on a lot of cards that they want to print. Something like banning Mox Opal is going to have to happen sooner or later, right? Because then, because then they're just going to, you know, they're they become so constricted on what they can create moving forward that, like, you know, maybe they're looking forward and saying we just don't want to inhibit ourselves on artifacts that much, you know, right? Between now and 2015, how could they have predicted that like Gilded Goose would be the thing that's like? This right. was the ingredient we needed. This was the one mana artifact that really like let us do it with Mox Opal. Right. Yeah. So that kind of like restrictiveness might be the reason why they just need to go ahead and rip the band-aid off with like artifacts and start over in in modern on artifacts and be like, Alright, we get it, you know. This one's gonna suck because it is destroying a lot of things in modern that have always <laughs> been sacred, but um but now we get to, you know, mess around with more cards that are cool and interesting, like Gilded Goose. Like, I think that now that Oko is gone, Goose becomes, like, a an interesting consideration. Uh, it's It might just be not playable anymore, but, like, one thing that we discovered through our experiences with Oko is that Goose late game is, like, very real. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. It's really good. Um, when you want, when you top deck your Birds of Paradise analog on turn five or six, and you're yeah. like, this card's really good I, here. <laughs> yeah. Regionals was a couple weeks after the set came out, mm-hmm. I believe. I played, like, a proto Urza deck along with Xan. Mm-hmm. And I remember playing against Burn, and I just am hanging on for life because I haven't drawn any of my, my good anti Burn cards yet. Yeah. And I'm like, turn five, I draw Gilded Goose. <laughs> and I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. This card blocks Goblin Guide, makes a food. It's a anti lava spike. If it lives, I get to, you know, do the thing. It's right. cool. I was like, wow, this card is way better than I thought it would be. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. So, you know. So hopefully, moving forward, we can like lean into more stuff like that, where they can push the limits on a couple of like new and interesting cards that have play patterns that are different than what we've been able to have access to before, without it just completely steamrolling everything with a card like Mox Opal. Yeah, and and while like I totally hear like it is kind of a shame that there's not really impetus to build most artifact decks unless we're really like doing some sort of combo or something like that. Or, I guess, prison with, with Engineer. But there's very little, like, I want to build an artifact deck and here's why. Because the why was always, like, Mox Opal is so good. I think I am probably... I have been on team ban Mox Opal for a while. And I probably am... I, I'm still pretty overall comfortable with this having happened. That kind of fast mana is just so egregious. And, and, and like, warps games around it in such a way that it's probably ultimately good for the format to figure out a way to develop without that. Because, man, you were behind in games where your opponent just, like, had the Mox Opal online by turn turn one or two. Like, yeah, 
you were just pretty much just like cold to whatever if they had stuff to do with it it was a problem it is kind of sad that affinity like one of the ogs of the modern format yeah. is, is no longer around yeah rest in peace affinity mm-hmm. i played against affinity in knoxville mm-hmm. and i was like oh this still exists and then you had lava darted them <laughs> well <laughs> uh game one was actually really sweet where i was on the draw they had a very explosive mox opal or no i wasn't on the draw but i was on the back foot very early because mm-hmm. uh, they were doing things with mox opal and i just like yeah. played steamkin played another steamkin and then they like attacked in for barely not lethal and i untapped and 20 them so. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good time but it's it's all about the mana, right? Oh, it was you, you yeah. Gotta, it was you got to cheat on mana. In you got to cheat on mana somehow. I just played a two mana one one to do it, and they had a free artifact. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you had to play red spells in your deck. Oh, I mean, I was having a blast. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> the the play pattern of turn two, play a steamkin, turn three, uh, play a, play another steamkin, lava dart them, flashback lava dart, go off that. Yeah, that's nice. I am tapped out and have infinite yeah. mana. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of cards apparently because of these <laughs> light of the stages. And yeah, battle rifles. <laughs> it's a great time. Um, but yeah. Well, any other thoughts we have for modern? Um, no, I mean, I feel like all of modern is right now is kind of like reflecting and looking back. Yeah, um, it's so hard to tell what moving forward yeah, in modern looks. It like. really is. Yeah, got um, Some people got to put. Yeah, foot on the pavement. Yeah. Figure out what's being played, play yep. stuff. Yep. I am playing Modern in my next team event, so Solid. we'll have to get you know, into the trenches. Figure yeah. that stuff out. Um, I may be playing Modern for the team event, Modern or Standard, so. Gotta figure that out. Yup. <laughs> Do we want to talk about any Theros Beyond Death previews? Anything that has struck anybody's attention? Lee, since you're not going to, you know... We can always talk about the cards that we've been thinking about, and we've got the set review coming up, but anything that you That's have... caught my eye? Yeah, anything that, that seems neat to you. I'll scroll past these me, white cards real quick. Let me pull up well, the Heliod's spoiler. Heliod's more interesting cards in the set. Heliod is interesting, yeah. but... Uh, I So, honestly, the set has just not caught my eye pretty much at all. Mm-hmm. I have not been impressed. <laughs> my, my, like, spicy statement, I guess, of the episode is that I think Heliod is... Overrated. Overrated. Oh, I think Heliod is good, but not in a combo. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think it's an excellent white weenie card. Yep, I yeah. think it's great in the in like a standard white weenie deck and going to do a lot of stuff and maybe do that sort of thing in Pioneer. But but all these combo play patterns that people are talking about oh, no. are so bad. Every time I see a deck with Board the Weatherlight and Arcanist Owl and nope, Pioneer, and I'm not like, it. scroll past it immediately. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're, we're not trying to do this kind of thing in Pioneer. So I'm looking at the art of aspect of Lamprey right now, and that card is going to give me nightmares. <laughs> that Solid. is truly, truly horrifying art. Oh yeah, I'm really into Omen of the Dead. This super uh, unassuming black common, black for an enchantment with flash. When it enters the battlefield, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand, and two in a black sacrifice Omen of the Dead Scry Two. If you're able to use the enchantment body at all, like this is just kind of a two for one for one mana yeah and so if you can sacrifice it to doom foretold that's really sweet if you can kill it with your white cavalier to get a three three and then when the cavalier dies you can get this back and then you can use this to get the cavalier back and then uh get another three three that's kind of sick so (laughs) there's some neat stuff but yeah i mean 
I pulled up my pre-orders because I pre-ordered not very many cards from the set, mm-hmm. but I did order some, mostly temples. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> the cards I ordered were just Woestrider, which is probably my favorite card in the set. Woestrider is very cool. Yeah, it's it's the two and a B three two that makes a goat. It can escape for some amount of mana. Five mana. Five mana. Three BB. Escapes with a plus one plus one counter. Two plus one. Two plus one. Plus it's one a one five counters. four one. Yeah, I don't. I, so. I don't even really care about the escape. It's just a free sacrifice outlet, which yeah. is really strong. And I feel like the goat should escape with a plus one encounter too. Well, but whatever. But the fact that it brings the goat with it when it escapes is like pretty wild. But that goat's been through some stuff, right? Shouldn't it be stronger? <laughs> I guess. It's just getting dragged around though. It's not like it oh. didn't do the escaping. So, uh, I mean, the escape, I think, matters on that card quite a bit for any scrappy sort of game. Like mm-hmm. the, the ability to just cast a 5-4 out of your graveyard yep. is really good. I really hope the standard format goes to a place where the some of the sagas are good. Like, I really like the five-mana white one I don't remember the name of right now. The, uh, the uh, rare one. Elspeth one? Yeah, Elspeth. The, the one that's, uh, what's it called? Elspeth Conquers Death. Yes, but it's basically a Dominaria saga. It's basically the Eldest Reborn, but, like, slightly different. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the Eldest Reborn. I yeah. like that card. I like uh, Kiora Beats the Sea God or Bests the Sea God. Yeah. I like that card a lot. Uh, that card is sweet. Um, a lot of these cards I like are just like kind of trumped by how powerful standard is at the moment. Like mm-hmm, I like Kior beats the that's the Sea God, but it's a ramp payoff and Hydroid Crisis still exists. Like yeah. it kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah. Nissa still exists. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I do believe Nissa is gonna continue to dominate in standard for a minute. So I agree. The fact that Nissa became a key part of the Flash deck really, like, <laughs> yeah, that cemented, really nails it, <laughs> cemented her position in the format. Oof. Yeah, I mean, not a ton of this is speaking to me. Some pretty cool role-playing cards. Like, we got a replacement for Lab Maniac or Jace in, oh, in decks that do that. Cool, yeah. yeah, like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, some, like, neat designs. But, yeah, I agree. Most of them feel like they're going to have a really hard time keeping up in a standard that's built around... Trail of Crumbs and Nyssa and Hydroid Crisis and the, like, you know, even the Flash deck is going to beat a lot of the more expensive cards in here just like seem like they can't exist if Flash exists. I was hoping there would be some good like, and maybe there are and I haven't looked at the spoiler enough, uh, good, really good aggressive cards in, like Red and White because I know Old Theros had like a heroic sub theme. But mm-hmm. when I browsed the spoiler, I just didn't really get that sense. No, I think the main contribution is like Elspeth and Heliod as like sl- slightly more expensive, but payoffs to having the cheaper aggressive stuff. Like both of these are extremely good with Healer's Hawk, for example. So if we're playing like a Healer's Hawk, Venerated Loxodon kind of deck, adding some of these cards to it might give it a more solid game plan. But we'll see. I'm cool on Theros. I'll I'll let y'all talk a bunch next episode. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) This card is sweet. What card's that? This card that can be a white, white, three, three flyer. Oh, that card looks really good limited. Yeah, definitely really good. I think the limited format might be cool. Like, I'm excited to draft it. I'm very excited for the limited format. Yeah. And I already know that I'm going to go deep on it for uh, Phoenix. Oh, that's right. You get to play it Phoenix. Oh, wow. Are we going to have a limited episode? Can we, please? We can. I would love to have a limited episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to be, as soon as the set drops on line on Thursday, I'm probably just going to be glued to my chair playing limited. <laughs> this is this weekend, right? A long time. Yeah. yeah. Let's get a box. Let's draft it. 
Let's, okay. Let's put a draft yeah. together. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and then we'll report back on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you guys what the draft is like. Yep. One, One two drafts in. <laughs> <laughs> Does it come out on Magic Online this week or just Arena this week? I believe the, the Magic Online release date is Thursday. Okay. This Thursday. Great. Yeah. Because that's, that's much better pro tour testing than yes. Arena would be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens then. All right, well, I think that's going to be pretty much it for us today. We really just wanted to focus hard on big upsets to modern. So A lot's happened. A lot has it's happened. a whole new world. And we can talk about other formats. We've been talking about modern a lot lately, and we're yeah. going to have to keep up to date on it, but we yeah. can probably transition to some other. Expect a lot more Pioneer and mm-hmm. Limited. Aren't the first two forward. non-team opens Pioneer? Like, is an indie and... Indie is Pioneer. Yeah, a lot yeah. more The pioneer. one after that's both mm-hmm. Pioneer. Yeah. Which is pretty good, since yep. a lot of you guys are doing some PT testing for a Pioneer PT. Oh, so, indeed. Yeah. Oh, man, I hope Edgar breaks it with this Pioneer food deck, because I love playing with food. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks to everybody so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. Um, if you want to give us some support, you can head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast or straight over to mtggrindcast.com. We got links to our Patreon, old episodes, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Collins will be streaming. Yeah. Um, are you going to be streaming some of your like uh, limited testing I'm, I'm prep? I'm pretty much going to be streaming all of my limited prep. Sick. Yeah. Awesome. And I might be playing a little bit of... Uh, it's kind of tough right now because limited is not out yet and pioneer is a little bit of a lame duck it feels like mm-hmm. but catch me on thursday i'll be streaming uh quite a bit of uh of my limited preparation Should yeah be fun. cool mm-hmm. uh so and if you want to catch collins on twitch that twitch address is twitch.tv slash collins mullen um you can also go there tuesdays at around 7 30 we got a slightly late start this time yep because of uh birthday related concerns <laughs> but uh tuesdays at 7 30 also on twitch.tv slash collins mullen is when we stream recording this podcast yeah um, so chat thank you so much for coming and hanging out really appreciate it um everybody listening at home thanks to you as well if you want to find us on social media i'm tweeting from at ccr underscore grindcast the podcast is at mtg underscore grindcast collins is also on twitter at collins mullen uh lee you're also on twitter yeah i'm at lee mcleo um have you been posting i haven't seen any blog posts from you lately so uh, i had to pump the brakes because work got busy <laughs> gotcha well hopefully we see some more of those those are always fun everybody we really appreciate you hanging out and have a great week peace bye